On this episode, we discuss the seventh episode of season two of Westworld, Le Ecorche. Join us as we discuss Ford's plan and the attack on the Mesa. Shout out to the homie Beethoven for Symphony Number no. Seven. Tune in as we pour it all over. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Joe, and Dill. Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit chat about the very thing so many of us depend on each morning coffee so what up man missed you last week yeah no good to be back uh shout out to caleb for filling in um it sounded like y'all had a good conversation as i went through and edited the podcast but yeah it's good to be back yeah yeah good to have you man we missed uh our little trio that was uh certainly fun on our first go around and so Mm -hmm. i'll say maybe we can get it back together sometime yeah yes sir I say Caleb did a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah, I liked how you had him read some of the intro or the outro stuff too. So, you know, putting him into work. Yes. Yes, like we always do. Yeah. I controlled him, you know, a little bit of a little bit of that Mave mind control. Mm. Yes. No, I just put his name next to the little tags on our notes sheet. Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So how's it going, man? Uh, you know, it's one of those weeks, uh, not, not great, not the worst, but, you know, glad to be recording, glad to be back on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, t- today I actually finally tried to drink that Bean and Brews coffee that I oh. told you about a little while back. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, that I got from Utah, and I made it in the French press because I thought, you know, maybe it'd be less, it'd be a little bit more forgiving. Okay. And uh, it just wasn't very good. Oh I guess. snap! Oh. Um, yeah, it, it's just one. It, it, it was basically like may, maybe not good is is harsh, but you know, like average something. I feel like I would just buy from the grocery store or something. Did it have um, any interesting flavor notes? Uh, if like burnt and bitter Ooh. is uh, interesting. Uh, Dang. <laughs> Dang, yeah. Um, I will. I will brew it a couple more times just to give it, you know, a chance. It could be me too. You know, I got dial it in, but I don't have super high hopes, mm. so I'm not sure if I'll finish that bag or not. What did the bean look like? I mean, did they look like, did they have that sheen on them? That's like, oh, yeah, you over-roasted. Yeah, so it's definitely a darker roast. I forgot what I even said on the bag, but just looking at it, it's definitely a darker roast. I uh, Those are actually the first beans I kept in the Fellow Atmos. Mm. Um, and <laughs> I, I just kind of had it in there for a while. Then I was looking and I was like, is there like water in the container what? or something? Because like the the beans against the side kind of look like there's something there. Oh, and I was okay. thinking I was like, oh, like I think that's like the coffee oil. Yeah, because you know the 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 more you roast it, the darker you roast it, the more the oils kind of are on the surface. Right, right. So I'm, I'm gonna have to go wash that. Jeez. Oh, you washing it like it's a it's a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, usually the the coffee doesn't leave a bunch of oil all over. I right. mean, it's 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 to each their own, you know, different preferences. Not to say it's bad. Sure, it's just not usually what I'm used to. Hmm. So, I got you. Yeah, you know. Well, um, I've been trying your Mount Hagen. 
Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I'm probably gonna have to be drinking it some more. So, quick comment about the Mount Hagen. Um, it's kind of like Folgers coffee to me. Mm. I mean, honestly, pretty similar. Um, pretty similar profile, similar mouthfeel. I will say it's very tangy, like very, mm. very kind of. Um, yeah, just very tangy, very kind of sour. Uh, not necessarily in a bad way, unless I kind of don't put enough, um, powder in there. Like you said in the beginning, you weren't really putting that much in there, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, the more you put in, the more you feel like it tastes like real coffee. And then you just kind of downward spiral of putting too much in. You're like, Oh, it's like tripping out on the Mount Hagen. Um, but I'm probably gonna have to start using it more because, Terrible news. I I broke my Hario grinder. No. I know. Dang, it's what so happened, bad. man? So, um I usually grind it on my uh kitchen tabletop, which is like granite. And every now and then the uh grinder has like a little rubber rubber kind of stopper on the bottom and every now and then that thing will pop out and this morning when I was grinding um that rubber thing must have popped out when I didn't notice it and I just kind of like I think I either I dropped the Hario like from like shoulder height to the granite countertop or like somehow I just like put it down really hard and it just shattered Hulk smash okay (laughs) Yeah, it just it just totally broke, and I was like frozen for like five seconds. I was like, "Oh my god, what oh, did man. I just do?" You, you were shook. I was shook up, and Dang, that's sad, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had my last uh, cup of coffee, <laughs> drinking from the Hario grinder today. Yeah, you like picking out the grounds from the glass and stuff. Every it went everywhere. It was on the oh, ground. Man. It was in my kitchen sink. Um. Found some on my pizza tonight. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. It's it's one of the saddest things in the world when something fragile breaks because you got to yeah. clean it up afterwards. You're like, look yes. at this mess I made. Wow, I'm sad. I actually didn't even know it was glass. Yeah, it's it's actually a really thick piece of glass. But um, mm. no, I guess I, I guess I just put it down too hard. I mean, yeah, if you're used to it having like a little rubber thing, kind of yes. Plus, as a countertop, I mean, it's hard. Right, right. Dang, dang. So what? What so. You, you got a plan? You think you're gonna you gonna get another one, or or is that too soon? <laughs> it's too soon, man. My heart gotta, is tender. Gotta mourn. Yeah. Um. No, I think uh, I think what I'm gonna do is I'm going to tr- see if I can find a mason jar that mm-hmm. uses the same with and has the same treading on the sides to kind of work as a replacement. Um, yeah. Okay, because the grinder part itself is still fine. Right. It's just that bottom piece. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to try and, like, MacGyver it to make it work. And yeah, then yeah. I think it's it's only fair for me to start shopping for an electric grinder. Ooh. <laughs> I'm enjoying that lazy man ranks. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you can't or, beat him, join him. Efficient person. Right. I like to think. Yeah, so that's that's where I've been with my coffee this week. Otherwise, mm. it's been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's that's a bummer, but you know, things come and go. That's right. The circle of life. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of started this last week. You had any um, cool food experiences this week? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, the first <laughs> episode that I'm not here, you actually have like a section that talks about food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of just like me bringing it up just because. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I wasn't there for that. <laughs> well, um, now you can answer that question. Yes, but uh, this week, well... It was regular to me, but maybe not as regular to other listeners. Um, so maybe two things. One is not really remarkable to anyone except me, probably. But so something that my church does every Sunday after service, you know, we, we have lunch together. It's kind of like the immigrant church thing to do because mm-hmm. I attend a Chinese church. And, you know, every week for... I don't know, 50 years or however long the church been around, like people take turns cooking food. And now they've been cooking food for hundreds of people every week. Mm. Um, and so this past Sunday, I found out that some of the food, they actually catered and paid for it instead oh. of cooking it. So for someone where every week, you know, someone in the kitchen has been cooking that and then they kind of shifted a little bit. That was a big change. Not necessarily, mm. like, the food itself, but just the process. Um, How was it? Uh, it was good, you know, a little, little bit of variety. So, some mm. of the jokes that we have is that, you know, it's basically tofu every week, <laughs> which isn't too far from the truth. I, I think three out of four weeks is tofu. I get it. Um, I, I don't mind it, though. I actually, I actually like it, so if anyone from church is listening, you know, I'm not <laughs> trying to hate. I actually like it. Tofu gang. But it, it's nice just to change it up. From now, from time to time. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and the second thing, which, I mean, it's, a, it's something I actually eat on the regular, but something that I like a lot is oxtail stew. Mm. So I don't know how many people have had oxtail before, but it's good. Very underrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those, I think back in the day, it was like the poor people food, you know, like you can't mm-hmm. afford the normal stuff. So they have the oxtail. Right. But Just now it's, it's like kind of expensive now. Because mm-hmm. I think people are starting to make it a bit more. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, my, my dad kind of makes it the, the stew thing. He has like celery, some potatoes, mm. um, cooks it for a while. It's, it's good. It's something I've had a lot growing up. So, yo, um, yeah. Question about the oxtail mm-hmm. soup Is it a red cooked oxtail soup or is it like the clear soup, oxtails, oxtail soup? Uh, it's clear. Well,. So he he makes it so it's uh, not like a soup per se, but it's, so it's like thicker, mm-hmm. and we put it on rice. Oh, yeah. So, but if it wasn't made like thick, then it would be clear. So it's it's not red. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So I think he Ooh. he explained to me once, but it's, it's pretty pretty basic, pretty straightforward. I think it's just the oxtail, some celery, potatoes, and then he just kind of puts some salt in there and then the water. I think that's mm. about it. And then, then he thickens it once it's done. Yeah. But, mm. yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I love me some oxtail soup. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, kind of hard to eat, though, because 
you know, it's like a big piece and you have to really get in there. Mm-hmm. So when they're leftovers, I'm like self-conscious, like, do, do I bring this to, to lunch, like at school? <laughs> you know, do I eat this around other people? Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I usually do anyways, but it's one of those because you know, at the end, you know, I'm trying to use chopsticks or forks or whatever, but at, at the end, I got to I gotta use my hands a you bit. You got to dig in it. It's like I'll be, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, how are you going to get the nice little little gristle tendon piece if without you know, right. going at it? So. Yeah, do it for the food, you know. That's right. Yeah. Well, what about you? What, what kind of food experiences you you had this week? Hmm. I've had many this week. Um, maybe I should just share today's because I did have pizza today, and um, in Dayton we have a place called the Dayton Pizza Factory, and at this establishment on Mondays they have buy one get one free. Uh, yeah, on, uh, all sizes except small. So (laughs) I, (laughs) I got, uh, two medium pizzas for one large person. Got a Hawaiian pizza and a, uh, Supreme pizza for like 15 bucks. Oh, pretty solid. Yeah. Not a bad deal. Would you say, how would you describe what the pizza is like? You know, is it like thinner, mm. like bigger pieces, or what, what, what's that like? Yeah, uh, I guess I would describe um, the pizza they make like, kind of like Domino's with the mm. kind of like corn cornmeal crust on the bottom, mm-hmm. but their uh, crusts on the sides are less puffy and less garlicky and more just kind of flat. Mm. Um their toppings are are very generous and um, I think pretty good quality. And um, I would say they're a little heavy-handed on the cheese um, and a little bit uh, kind of spare on the sauce, um, which is not like my preference. But when you're talking about like seven dollars for a pretty big pizza, yeah. it's a it's it's a budget meal. It's it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it lasts yeah, me like maybe you know, three or four we, days. We talked about it before. Like pizza has a wide range of like acceptability. Like pizza is still good, right? It's got to be real bad for it to right. not be good. So, right. I don't think there's an actual place that if it's fresh and I get it, I just won't eat the pizza. You know, mm-hmm. like Little Caesars. I'm not. I might not eat it the day after, but if it's yeah. fresh, I'll I'll definitely eat it. Yeah, man. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Very nice. Pizza, one of the one of the best foods. Absolutely. Nice. It is a great invention. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, before this actually becomes a food podcast, <laughs> I guess we should move on to our Westworld discussion for the week. Okay. You know, maybe bring it back around to the food later on, but we'll see. Show, show. Uh like I said, we're talking about season two, episode seven. I'm just going to read a quick summary. So here we go. In the cradle, Ford discusses with Bernard the true intention of the Delos Parks using guest data in order to create perfect copies of the guest minds. Ford tells Bernard that he will not survive the revolution unless he gives up his free will. By imprinting himself onto Bernard's control unit, Ford takes control of Bernard and heads toward the Mesa Control Center. Meanwhile, Dolores and Teddy confront Charlotte and the technicians as they attempt to extract the data from Abernathy's control unit. 
is revealed that Abernathy's control unit contains the key to unlocking the project at the Valley Beyond. Charlotte and Stubbs narrowly escape a maniacal Dolores who has resolved to kill her father in order to retrieve the control unit. Teddy handily defeats Coughlin and his group, and Angela destroys the cradle, killing herself in the process. Back in the park, Maeve returns to the homestead with her daughter and crosses path with William. Oblivious to Maeve's new abilities, William pays no mind and gets wrecked by Lawrence and his cousins. Before Lawrence can deliver the final blow, Delos forces arrive and quickly dispatch of the host while severely injuring Maeve. At the same time, William creeps away with fatal wounds and Maeve's daughter is once again captured by Akechita. When Maeve is brought back to the Mesa, Dolores offers a mercy killing. Maeve rejects her offer and warns Dolores that her own manipulation of Teddy makes her no better than the humans. The raid on the Mesa and Delos forces continue as Bernard takes part in gunning humans down. In the present, Strand and Charlotte investigate the death of Teresa in Ford's old house and discover multiple Bernard hosts in a hidden room. Bernard is revealed as a host and shares that Abernathy's control unit is located in the valley beyond. Mm. All right. Layers, pieces, parts and pieces that hopefully will become a whole puzzle. (laughs) Hey, okay, I like that. Um. Well, I said layers, and I was like, oh, yeah, I said the same thing. Oh, levels. (laughs) I said levels last time. I can't remember. Anyways. It's all good. It's all good. Man. Yeah, there's a lot happening here, man. Um, How'd you you feel just kind of like generally watching the episode and just Mm kind of afterward? I actually watched this episode twice um the first time i felt like it was another one of those episodes where they crammed too much Mm. in too in like a in in too many little pieces that to me it felt very kind of just thrown together um but when i watched it the second time i tried to focus more on the philosophy and kind of like the message that's being delivered because this episode actually reminded me a lot of i think it was Episode three of season one, when Ford um, shows Bernard the triangle that Arnold came up with, and it got really philosophical as far as like introducing the idea of the bicameral mind and introducing the idea of consciousness and levels of consciousness. And I feel like in this episode, when Ford was, you know, pontificating to Bernard about the true, his true intentions and the reason for the park, I was like, oh man, this is this is probably deeper than what, what I'm like processing. Um, you know, in in some ways I feel like this is kind of the climax for kind of the philosophical, kind of the philosophical backbone of this season. It's kind of like for revealing it all, you know what I mean? Um, so I, yeah, this episode was, was good for me, but I think a lot to take in. Yeah, I definitely agree. I felt like it was so fast-paced. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I felt like um, episode six was already kind of getting there. I feel like things were starting to pick up, and like they, they had a lot of different reveals and stuff like that. And this one, I just feel like took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if, if any episode so far to like watch twice, it would maybe be this one, just because like so much is happening. And it's just so fast and just kind of throwing at you all the different um, all the different storylines. So that's probably a good thing. I should, I should probably go back and watch it again. 
mm-hmm. um, and and just because they they chose to like include so much, yeah, I feel like some of the things they just kind of like straight straight off from the first scene they just kind of dove straight straight in, right. Um, there wasn't like a build up or anything. Maybe they're just kind of relying on like the season itself right, was right. kind of building up to this. Because I think it was like the first scene already when they go and they see all of Bernard's like other hosts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shoot! Like they, they, they're just getting right in there. Right. This is like um, another that's, piece. That's like a huge reveal. Right. That I feel like didn't have the weight I thought it would. Hmm. At least in the way it was presented in light of everything else. Because, you know, Bernard is like core to Delos. You know, he's mm-hmm. one of those. Um, well, he's he's the programmer kind of, kind of guy behind the scenes. And he's in charge of that whole department. And right. now they're like, they're, they're finding out that he's a host. Mm. And, you know, I, I thought that could have been like a lot more could have been given to that reveal. Right. But right. there's just so much more, so much else to talk about. So that kind of, kind of fell by, but, um, and they didn't really even like react too much to seeing that. Like you expect like Charlotte or Strand to be like, Oh my God. Like, it'd be like, what? (laughs) But they're just kind of like staring at him. And then Charlotte was almost kind of like pleasantly surprised, I would say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was kind of weird. They're just kind of like, Oh, well. It was like just another day. You're like, this is normal. All right, let's, uh, you know, put him at gunpoint and, and go interrogate right. him. It's fine. And Maeve, uh, not Maeve, but Charlotte had the presence of mind to make kind of a punny joke. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, so, you know, we knew you had skeletons in your closet, Bernard, but didn't know they were you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, gotcha. Zing. Yeah, zinger. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Cause yeah, you would expect that. That's just like yeah, this guy you work with that you assume is a human isn't, and right? They're just pretty chill about it. <laughs> so, which um, actually, I don't know if that is connected to, and I don't know if they ever showed it, but the body that Ford was making in his house, hmm. I don't know if that was like maybe another Bernard host, because uh, I don't remember when they panned down to the basement if they ever showed like the the body still being made or if the body was gone but we still I, don't really I know what happened to that it thing. wasn't there anymore but i'm not 100 percent sure okay yeah hmm. yeah that, that's an interesting question is like has the bernard we've been seeing this whole time has it actually been the same the like, same host yeah. bernard right or or has Ford Ooh. replaced him from time to time, you know, made upgrades or whatever. Right, right. Hmm. Well, before we get too deep in this one, um, was there anything about season or episode six that you wanted to comment on? Like, uh, you know, Maeve going to the farmstead or um, De- Teddy 2.0 or, you know, anything like that? Hmm. I uh, I really enjoyed episode six a lot. Okay, I, uh, I felt like uh, I I felt like it kind of got back to some of like the core kind of storytelling elements of Westworld that I I personally enjoyed a lot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I feel like it just gave us more questions, which I think is like classic Westworld kind of right. just what they do. Um. But 
Yeah, I thought I actually I know in was it when we talk about episode five or whatever, we like really dogged on the whole like uh, Shogun World right, story right. arc. But I kind of liked how they kind of concluded it in episode six. Mm. So it was, it was nice. Mm-hmm. So overall, I, yeah, I, I liked episode six a lot. And I felt like y'all y'all got in and dove in on some of some some of the good topics. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I felt like it really kind of transitioned well into this episode where they just kind of picked it back up, kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of see. I I like. I, I see that six and seven kind of go together pretty well. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the others don't, right. but I feel like we're all moving toward the end or like. Whatever mm-hmm. is coming up to be the the climax of the season, you know, I don't right. think we've got there yet. Um, but yeah, I think this is like the build up, and now episode seven just kind of sped it up even more. Mm-hmm. Which um, I think, um, you know, there are a lot of different characters in their individual arcs that are spanning six and seven, and I don't think any other character than Maeve. Is like in, on such a roller coaster of emotions, mm-hmm. and is just like I don't know. I just like the the only word that comes to my mind when I think about her is like suffering. Like she mm. is just trying to do like what she feels is right, and whether that is ethical or not. Like taking that daughter, she's she's trying to do that, and um, she is not getting anywhere. And Dolores is on her mission and she's starting this rev- revolution. Um, but Maeve is just like, even when she feels like she is at her highest point, you know, uh, she gets gunned down by Delos. And once again, like her plan is foiled. Um, and I, and I like Maeve a lot. So it hurts me when I see that happen to her. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's like, yeah. she's one of the most powerful hosts yeah, she just can't win. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I think suffering is is the good, good word to characterize it because, like, she's not even trying to hurt anybody necessarily. Right. I mean, she's just trying to get back with her daughter. Yet, you know, she she just keeps hitting like roadblock after roadblock, and then just straight up gets shot up. And I was like, oh, like for 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 a moment there, I was like, are they just gonna kill Maeve? Mm-hmm. Like after all of this, you know, she's gonna get shot up like that. Um, I mean, also had that I was like, are they actually gonna kill the man in black? Man in here? black, right? Yeah, yeah. So they they had a lot of those like, oh, like what what are you gonna do, Westworld? Um, kind of moments. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you just gotta feel bad. I think for Maeve, it's just not not just this episode, but just like everything else, you know. Right, right. She she also like during that Shogun thing, like at the very least, you could say like Maeve, like diverted her attention to help someone else. Mm-hmm, right? True. And she's, you know, not only is she not trying to harm other people, like good people, I guess, quote unquote, but she actually took time to help someone else, and mm-hmm. yet now she is still, like, forever pursuing this like hope or this kind of this quest that she's on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I wonder how she is going to respond to, or maybe she's going to get help from Lee to kind of fix herself up. And how is she going to respond? Is she going to, 
cave. I don't know. I don't think she's in a cave, but um, I don't know. Maeve represents to me like this idealistic character in the show who's not really controlled by like um, an outside influence. Like she is on this mission to kind of reclaim this storyline, whether it was fabricated or not with her daughter. And she's like, I don't know, in some ways she's kind of an, she's kind of a protagonist, right? In that Mm -hmm. way. Um, But Westworld is like flipping that. And it's almost seeming, seeming, it almost seems like in this episode, the bad guys are going to win like with Dolores and Ford. Um, and then there's the man in black there too, right? It's like, well, kind of what side is he on? Um, and I was sad too when he was kind of getting destroyed by Maeve and Lawrence. I don't know why. I was like kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, it's just like emotional, you know, I think these characters you invest in and then you like, I mean... William, man in black, he's not he's not a good person, you know. That's mm-hmm. just it's kind of a fact. But I think just to see someone suffer, you know, he he's just getting shot up and and all that, and just to see that, I think, you know, causes an emotional reaction mm-hmm. in you. Um, yeah, and just to, yeah, the whole scene when it was Lawrence, Maeve, and the man in black. Man, that that was yeah, that, that was one of the emotional like high points, you know, because yeah. for some reason Lawrence was kind of immune to May's powers, right? But but then you know she, I don't know if it was just her power of persuasion, but then also like coupled with her powers, you know, I mean he was just mm-hmm. able to resist resist enough, mm-hmm. but then you know then Lawrence turns on the man in black, and I was like, oh shoot, you mm-hmm. know. Because that was one of the, like, original pairings from, like, season right. one. You know, there's, like, this man in black and there's Lawrence. Um, I mean, it wasn't, like, an equal partnership or anything. Right, right. But, um, yeah, there's just, they've been together and ha- they have a long history even beyond what we've seen. But, I mean, that ultimately informs him to turn on on William. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I was like, because Lawrence got shot up. And he's like, is is Lawrence dead now? Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, they didn't pick up his body, right? I mean, they just no, they just it. took Maeve. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of bringing Maeve back to the Mesa, what did you think about the Maeve and Dolores confrontation again? Like the the part two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you're talking about Maeve, like on on the deathbed, right? Y- yes. Yeah. It was interesting. I think it, it it showed like both of their motivations. I guess still, you know, like Maeve's still very focused on her daughter. She's like, you know, I made a promise kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But also showed that Dolores had some, I guess, mercy. I I don't know. It's like I think mm. either way you could be seen sort of as mercy, like because Maeve is obviously suffering. She's been shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't even know how she's supposed to get through it. Right. So, you know, Dolores is just going to kill her. But then, you know, Maeve is like, no, like, I made a promise. I need to go on. So Dolores allows her to live. Um, But because Dolores was going off about how the humans could use Maeve against them, you know, Mm. Um, yet 
she still chooses to let Maeve live. And, and the thing with that scene too, like, yeah, I had to think about it afterwards, but it came right after Dolores's scene with her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, when that was very emotional, you know, it was basically saying goodbye because, you know, Dolores had to get the control unit out. There's no other option, right? Mm-hmm. And then even in her conversation with Maeve, it pans in like, Dolores's hand, like someone like bloody hands are holding her dad's control unit. Mm, yeah. Um, so it's, it's still, Ooh. but then she says the line where like kin are a leash, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's like just supposing like Dolores isn't this heartless person. She still cared a lot about her dad, mm-hmm. but she is choosing the mission over right, right. these relationships. Whereas Maeve is choosing the relationships, right? Right. So it's like Dolores is literally holding like her dad's brain that she just cut out, mm-hmm. you know. And then That's, and Maeve uh, is like, no, I still need to go find my daughter, who doesn't right. even know that she's her mom. You know. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's just very like, oh, there's just so much going on there. Um, yeah. For me. Man, there's so many parallels because what, what you shared just reminded me of Akane, right? Mm. Holding on to Sakura's heart. Oh yeah. And like treasuring that, and then bringing it to a place to like be immortalized in the shrine. Um, but that is for Sakura and their family versus Dolores is doing this for, well, obviously she's doing it for herself too, but she's like using her dad as opposed to like honoring her dad, I guess. But, um, but ruthless. I mean, just like she, she has that tender moment with her dad, but then, like, mm-hmm. ultimately, Wyatt, I guess, takes over, and she's, like, I think she said in the past, like, she's, or maybe she didn't say this, but I think maybe it was in the um, the behind-the-scenes stuff that um, I think Lisa Joy was explaining that, um, you know, Dolores is using, not Lisa Joy, I think, the, the person who plays Dolores was saying how Dolores has been clutching on to this white identity because she believes that the white identity is actually what's going to like help her survive in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because she has to, like you say, like get rid of all these <clears throat> connections and these emotional pieces that have been kind of putting her in a leash and in, in like kind of shackling her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you think Maeve's going to be able to reunite with her daughter after all? She's got to, man. That's that's the uh that's the feel good story, you know? That's like that's the true. And I wonder if Maeve is gonna get some some kind of vengeance too against mm. uh Dolores. Mm. Um yeah, because I don't know. It's like you know how when Dolores um kind of leaves Teddy to decide whether or not to kill the um the uh General Craddock? And then he decides to spare him. And then General Craddock goes and massacres that whole family because of his one kind of um, uh, act of um, kind of mercy. So I wonder if this quote-unquote act of mercy, like you share, if this is going to turn around and bite Dolores in the back Mm. um, now with Maeve maybe kind of coming around and, and kind of having another showdown with her. Hmm. Yeah, because they're like you know, like, like you said, this is kind of like their second confrontation. But kind of in the background, they just kind of been on these different paths. 
So yeah, so I would think at some point, maybe they'll they'll have to actually have a conflict instead of just being able to kind of talk and be like agree to disagree and and kind of just move on. Mm-hmm. But. What did you think about the um, the whole attack on the Mesa as a whole? Yeah, I thought that was I I really enjoyed the fight scenes. I thought it was, mm-hmm. it was like a cool um, just overall sequence, I guess. Um, cause there, there's a lot of different scenes in there. I think a lot, a lot of different things happened. Um, and again, they, they talked a little bit about it in the behind the scenes where like in season one, the Mesa is just like portrayed as this place of control, like this human mm. stronghold, like they are still in charge of the hosts. Sure. And now in this episode, they are presenting it in pretty much complete chaos. Mm-hmm. As the hosts are coming in, they're fighting and all of that. So yeah, as a whole, I think it's just done really well in terms of, like special effects and all that stuff. And like we saw some new technology where like QA they had those vests that kind of like vibrated and, and showed them where hosts were, which is kind of right. interesting. I was like, uh, I don't know if <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just kind of felt like kind of like a weird like choice in terms of like technology Text, that they would yeah. have for that. But okay. Cause at first I thought it was going to actually be like night vision or something, but it's just like this vibrating vest. But I mean, it worked for them for, for a little bit. All right. Um, yeah. And then like we saw actual like Teddy 2.0 coming out. Mm, uh, oh my wearing God. All black, no cowboy hat, n- none Terrifying. of that. No smiles, just kind of ruthless. Mm hmm. Um, Destroying yeah, so yeah, I think it's just a fun, like, it also fit the the pace of the episode really well. Because, mm. you know, the episode was so fast-paced, so much happening. And then right. the attack is also, like, chaos in there, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I don't know, what would you think? Yeah, I thought, um, you know, if... if if uh, Dolores and her gang is in the Mesa to get the key, and if that's all they want, they would have been in and out. But she was there to like wreak havoc, and um, Te- not Teddy. Uh, Bernard joins in later on. He you know he picks up that P ninety and he's like, gah, 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 gah. Um, <laughs> so man, yeah, the all the scenes in the Mesa were just like real, real intense. Um, I love the music, like you know, mm-hmm. we referenced the beginning of the episode. Uh, you know, the Beethoven Symphony Number no. Seven that fit perfectly with the slow motion shots of like, you know, um, you know, hosts and humans battling it out. Um, overall, yeah, I really liked um, that. Towards the end of this episode, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, and I liked. I like one of the fight scenes, the ones with Clementine. Um, oh, yeah. and her and Angela, like I like. I don't oh, know yeah. if Clementine has had like a single line in the season yet. <laughs> um, she's just kind of like they're doing stuff. But I, what did I, she I just, say? Did she say something? No, no, I don't think she said anything in this. She was just uh, episode. like like Ramboing, right? Yeah, she's just kind of like because Angela gets shot and then she gets mad. You know, she like kind of makes a face and then kind of like ramps up and just starts walking out there to to go shoot them up. And she, yeah. I just thought it was. It was a cool scene. I mean, see see her um, get actually mad and, and kind of respond to that. So mm-hmm. I I like that. But then you know you can't just run out in, in your anger and, and hope to kill everybody. So she mm-hmm. she also gets shot. That's right. 
Yeah. But, yeah. And also, I, I really enjoyed the scene with Angela in the cradle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just how, like, yeah, she ends tense. the whole thing. You know, she she's, like, using her skills. Like, she's referencing it as she's talking. Like, you, you created me to be this way kind of thing. Right. Um, and then she uses that to distract that guy and she ends it by saying, you know, welcome to Westworld and she pulls the pin on the grenade and they blow up. Yes, sir. Um, and I was just like, this is a reminder, you know, like this, this is basically like, welcome to the new Westworld. This is is a whole season two. Like everything is different now. Right. Right. And so now even further, because they they actually are progressing in their attack and kind of succeeding in some ways. Right, right. And so I, I kind of took it that way. It was like, oh, yeah, we've definitely entered into a new phase. Like, yeah. even, even in the beginning of the season, like, somehow if Delos regained control, like, maybe it could go back to the way it was. I mean, it couldn't, but, like, maybe. But now, like, they've invaded the Mesa. They're going to blow up the Cradle. Mm-hmm. Like everything's different now, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, and she said that same thing with with young William back in season mm-hmm. one, like kind of the welcome and like all that kind of spiel. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So I thought that was a very, very well done scene. Um, yeah, she's bringing Westworld to you. You don't have to come yeah. to Westworld. She's bringing it to you. Yeah. Man. Yeah, and Teddy was just destroying Coughlin. <laughs> I mean, he was only in two episodes this season, and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. no wonder why he wasn't in the beginning of the season, because he wasn't there on the beach. He was yeah. dead already by that time. Yeah, I was like, oh, they got Strand, but then they bring in this Coughlin guy, and I was like, okay, I guess they have two people in charge, but then <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that's what happens to Coughlin. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe yeah, Stubbs yeah. can get that promotion. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know why he hates on Stubbs. Um, but hey, I, you know Stubbs got a lot of screen time. He did. Yeah, more than usual for sure. Yeah, he probably like all the other screen time combined. Like you know, c- compared to this episode. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Dang, let's uh let's talk a bit about you know the Ford Bernard kind of dynamic and what's mm. going on there. Mm-hmm. Before we run out of time, Ford's plan. Yeah, Ford's plan, man. Um, yeah, what what do you think of the the whole the interactions within the cradle? You know, Ford reveals what they're talking about, but then also he takes him to Arnold's house. You know, all, all that kind of progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Ford takes Bernard to Arnold's house, the same place in within the cradle that. Mm-hmm. I guess they quote unquote created Bernard using the memories of Ford and Dolores, which I thought was a crazy reveal. Yeah. Um, and then also revealing the fact that Ford has remained in the cradle because uh, because the you know the Dallas project has not quite perfected uh, the human hybrid uh, physical form yet. Um, so I thought that was really interesting how. You know, they kind of explain why Ford's in the cradles because he's still trying to preserve his his actual mind, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I thought I thought all that was very interesting. Um, I think I think they could have had that conversation anywhere. I just I just think the whole idea of the cradle being this kind of replicated, 
you know, um, magical space, mm. you know, of Sweetwater was kind of unnecessary maybe, or just kind of like, you know, I guess it could be like, you know, this matrix place with like, out with just kind of like numbers and random letters going up and down in green. Mm-hmm. Like it could be <laughs> something like that, but they were a little bit more creative with like making it a exact copy of the real, of the Sweetwater world. Um, but anyways, I just, uh, yeah, I liked, uh, I liked that little bit of exposition, even though it just felt like Ford was just telling us, you know, everything that was happening. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What did you think of the whole, you know, Ford's plan and, you know, all those scenes back in the cradle? Yeah, it was, it was like Bernard just suddenly understood like the whole point mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, Ford gave him a couple of hints, but then he doesn't like straight up tell him all the way, you know, because he's kind of like, isn't it more interesting to see, you know, how it ends yourself or like discover that something along Ooh. those lines? Yeah. Um, and then, I, yeah, I thought it was crazy when, um, yeah, Ford took Bernard to Arnold's house and he's like, yeah, we, we made you here. And he's like, we? Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, showing. Like basically explaining that scene that we got, I think it was like last episode or the one before, right? Um, yeah, where Dolores is interrogating Bernard and she's like, "We're testing for fidelity." Mm-hmm. Um, so I was yep. just like, like that. That made me think too. Um, I I don't remember exactly when it was, but Dolores and Bernard were talking, and then Dolores is kind of like, "You're not one of us." kind of thing um she said that at some point to him and i i I was always confused by that because he is i i I just kind of assumed like she didn't know he was a host or something um oh but maybe with this like she knows because he's different because he was made in the cradle Mm -hmm. like i don't know what kind of implications that has um whereas like they were all kind of programmed outside kind of thing right right yeah, and then mm. another thing that Ford said when they're walking to Arnold's, you know, he's like, oh, I like this is familiar. I've seen this before. And then Ford says something like, yeah, Arnold made it here first. And then he's like, we made everything here first or something like that. So I, I don't know if that's like that line will mean anything later. Whereas like, well, I guess they blew up the cradle, so it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, they, like, practiced making stuff first in the cradle before they made it in the real world kind of thing. Hmm. Or was he uh, talking about Arnold's house? Yeah, I mean, they're talking about Arnold's house, and then he also is just, like, we, we made other things here or something. I don't know. So it's it oh. it interesting. And then, like, so now, like, Ford has escaped the cradle, so I'm I'm like kind of confused. I don't know if they'll even explain it, but mm. like mm-hmm. all the implications of that, you know, like he's saying like the human mind can't exist outside of the cradle. It will deteriorate. Right, right. So now he sort of is now. He's just also with Bernard. He's one with Bernard, yeah. Yeah, so like what are the weird implications of that given that, you know, the human mind can't, it will degrade eventually. Right. Um, oh. Yeah, because, well, he didn't implant himself into his own replicated body. He planted himself uh-huh. into Bernard's 
body. So maybe because he's like an imprint and not the actual unit, he'll still survive. Yeah, that's that's my assumption. Like how they'll kind of like kind of loophole it through, you know? Yeah. Like because the project doesn't work, but then Ford still got to like be around somehow. Right. You know, because I feel like the whole purpose of the cradle was basically to bring Ford back. You know. Yeah. And now, now he's back, so they blew it up and they don't need it anymore. <laughs> Um, well, also, it makes all the hosts like like humans, so they can just die and, you know, be gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know if they'll even, like, try to explain that or what, what that will mean. Um, hmm. But it, it kind of gave me, like, I mean, this is like a offhand observation, but it kind of gave me, like, um, vibes of season one when we were we were thinking like the hosts are being controlled by Arnold somehow, or like Arnold's still influencing and speaking through them or kind of, you know, something like that. Right. But now like Bernard is actually experiencing that with Ford Mm. where he sees Ford, he's having conversations with Ford and like, Oh shoot. And all of that. And so it's kind of like a a little bit of a parallel. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume sort of on purpose. Like I don't don't think it'll be a big thing, but it just kind of reminded me of that in season one. Where like, oh yeah, something else is controlling them or, you know, whatever. But you now Ford is actually doing that with Bernard. Right. He's taking the place of Arnold being that voice in their heads. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I wonder what happens to Ford in between this episode and Bernard showing up on the beach. Because, you know, in those scenes we see of Bernard, we don't really get that Ford still in his head Mm -hmm. so maybe when bernard gets to the valley beyond somehow ford is dropped off in another body Mm. and then he makes his way to like the real world um because i guess you know that's what i'm assuming now is that the valley beyond is some way to get some way to get hosts into the real world yeah or or maybe just some production factory that you know moves like units out of the mines and stuff like that. I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, something happens between now and the end to where Ford leaves Bernard's body, I think. Yeah. Mm. But, but Ford's just straight chilling, man. He's enjoying himself. He's, know. you know, like he's quoting, he, he's enjoying, he's joining, he's enjoying his creation, you know, as if he was a God. Yeah. And in the cradle, he was, basically. Um, right. He he wasn't just, like, another, you know, backup in there, but he actually controlled them with the snap of his fingers. Mm. So, yeah, it's interesting. You know, Ford, I'm, I'm glad, you know, Ford's back. You know, Anthony Hopkins, great, great yes. actor, and, like, such a big part of the story, you know? So it's kind of this huge swerve where, like, Ford just wasn't around for half a season. But, right. you know, you know he's got to be back, so... <laughs> yes we'll see um it's kind of like all coming together a little bit more because they keep doing these like timeline flashback forward kind of things like right. bernard in the present but then all these things in the past and like it's almost like those movies where they show you how it ends and then they're kind of filling in the rest because mm-hmm. like, like all these flash forwards like some of them made sense but some of them didn't and now right. we're kind of slowly getting that information to fill that gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 
hopefully gonna all come together in the end, just like season one. Yeah, hopefully we'll see. Um, yeah, any any other like miscellaneous uh, shout outs that kind of stuck out to you in this this one? Um, you know, not really anything per se. I think there are a lot of really great quotes in this episode. Um, especially that kind of hint at Ford's plan and, uh, you know, that came along with the whole exposition piece when Ford was describing everything. I think one really interesting thing he said was when he was talking about the, the Mesa going down, he was referencing the great library, um, of Alexandria, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. and he said that, uh, he basically said when the great library burned, the first 10,000 years of stories were burned were reduced to ash but these but those stories never really perished they became a new story the story of the fire itself for man's urge to take a thing of beauty and strike the match mm. um so it seems like ford is that person who's striking the match and for him his new story is to kind of see all the chaos that you know is ensuing from it um, you know, I guess that's the way he enjoys reveling in his creation is kind of like creating this chaos and seeing everyone's reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah, man, Ford's a character, man. I'm yes. Like, are, are there actually people that like sit and think about these things and talk in such <laughs> deep philosophical ways? Um, yeah, they're all dead now. Um, <laughs> true. There's a lot to look forward to, and I think it's just going to get more and more intense. It's just picking up from here. Yes, sir. Um, but looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I like I like that little one liner from from Elsie though. Uh, when she was leaving the cradle with Bernard, she's like, "I'm, I'm going to go back to dental school." No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, "What the? Yeah. That's so random." <laughs> it was really random. Yeah. But I guess they're trying to throw in some some humor, some uh, comic relief, kind of yeah, a little bit it. in there from time to time. Cool, cool. Well, we're going to end the show as we always do by seeing what's making us happy this week. So, Joe, what's making you happy? Um. Yeah, man. Um. So I think I shared in this podcast before that I started running more. Um, there are a couple friends I have that are really into running. Um, and there's this app that we have called Strava where we kind of keep up on each other's runs. And, um, I actually went to a, um, like a running specialist. Like I didn't really pay for it, but I bought shoes there and I picked up a pair of shoes that was kind of recommended to me and they kind of helped me through the process. So I just picked them up today, so I look forward to breaking them in maybe tomorrow. Um, It's still kind of snowy outside, so uh, I'll be kind of careful about it. Or I might not break it out tomorrow if it's too slushy. But um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to exercising more and, you know, you know, getting getting to that like, you know, extra mile or like putting in, you know, a little bit more putting up like a faster pace or you know whatnot it's it's kind of fun it's like a new hobby i think yeah yeah so you feel like is is worth to go see a running specialist i mean i mean you haven't run in the shoes yet but just that whole experience 
Yeah, um, uh, maybe running specialists is a, is a bit of a um, exaggeration, but they were <laughs> people who were selling me the shoes. And sure, sure. They, I mean, it's like a you know, actual running shop kind of deal. Yeah, like they watched me walk, they watched me run, um, they kind of looked at the way my my feet landed on the ground. So, um, yeah, I mean, if if you were gonna buy a pair of shoes anyways, I would go somewhere uh, that specializes in running shoes, and they they usually have people there who can kind of guide you to whichever shoe would work best for your foot. Mm. Yeah, so mm, I definitely good. recommend it. That's good. Yeah, I um. Uh... Because I'm I'm technically registered for a 10k in March. Ooh. Um. I I like have not really been running or training for it, so that's not oh good. My God. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I did buy a pair of shoes, and I I just kind of cheaped out. I just kind of bought something that's cheap, and like yeah, for sure. They the first few times I, I've used them, they've been kind of hard on my feet and my ankles, like. I, mm. I took them out for like the first the first run ever or like the first time I used them, and mm-hmm. then like not even that far into it, I I, I had to stop because oh they, my they just gosh hurt and stuff. Um, Jeez. So at that point, I was like, oh, maybe it would have been worth to go see somebody because I know that's that's usually what's recommended from what I've researched and people I've talked to. Right. But, you know, I was just being cheap. Um, the shoes are like generally okay now, but. You know, yeah, I mean, there generally is a break in time, so I think you can take that into consideration. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe maybe you do this 10k with these shoes, and if you really like running, then you can sign up for like another 10k, or maybe mm-hmm. do like a you know, really, if you're really serious, train for like a half marathon and then get you some real running shoes. And um, yeah, maybe just kind of use this first pair as kind of a a uh, kind of a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely not a runner, so we'll see. I mean, it's been okay, though. I've done a couple of runs in preparation, nothing really consistent, but it's yeah. like, all right, I, I see I see some of the appeal, I think. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What's making you happy this week? Yeah, um, this past weekend, I did this thing at my school where... Um, it's called a giftedness workshop. Okay. Um, so it's this thing to try to help you understand basically what your giftings are and like what brings you satisfaction essentially. Mm. And it's it's a little different, you know. I've done like I think when when I tell people I did that, the first thing is to think about like personality tests, like Myers Briggs, Enneagram, stuff oh, like right. that. Enneagrams, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's I mean it's similar but different in that like. What we had to do to prepare for this is that we had to think up of stories from our life, things that we did that actually brought us satisfaction. Oh, okay. Then we, is basically the whole thing is based around the stories that we bring up. And we use those stories to find patterns to be like, what are the things that we've done repeatedly that also repeatedly brought us satisfaction? And then Ooh, like however we I kind like of describe that. that. Um, so there's going to be a lot of follow-up. Like, we're not really done yet. Um, they kind of match you up with the coach and stuff that's going to help you go through it. But this weekend mm-hmm. was really just kind of compiling the stories and kind of just going through them and trying mm-hmm. to start that process. So it was nice. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Uh, just a little something different to do. And especially for me, as I am kind of have an eye toward graduation in a little mm-hmm. over a year. 
Yeah. I'm going to have to start, you know, looking for jobs or trying to at least thinking about what kind of place I want to end up, you know. So Mm -hmm. I think this hopefully will help with that. Yeah. Um, Do you have a flavor of what you feel like brings you the most joy and satisfaction? Yeah. I haven't met up with the coach yet, but just kind of looking. (laughs) So maybe... The the stories I chose were like all super different, so I think it's like hard for us. Like I, I looked at it with a couple other people, um, whereas other people, some of their stories were, were a little more similar. Um, okay. But with mine, I think I saw one of the things at least was trying to learn something new. Mm. Um, so even like doing this podcast, uh, which was one of the things I talked about, was oh, just snap. yeah, you know, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but the process of just learning a new skill and, like, going through that experience, not necessarily focused on, like, trying to make the best thing, but just being able to do something new that I've never done before. Right. I think what, what kind of played into it and just doing something different usually um, was one of the themes. So we'll see what that what that means. Maybe it just means I get bored really easily. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll see. Maybe I'll I'll do some follow up later as I continue to work through it. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I could have uh, guessed it would have been about food or something else. You know, like hey, hey, uh, food. They, there was free food at the workshop, though. <laughs> nice. Did you get some of it? Of course, of course. We even took some home. So. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's that next level. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they had snacks all over the place. Like, we were meeting in this library. They had baskets on, like, every table and, like, end table with snacks in them. And I was like, man, they trying to make me fat. <laughs> and then Try while we were talking, like, we, like, broke into groups and stuff. Like, the one of the guys, there's a dessert tray. He, like, carried it around. He's like, hey, there's still some left. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. Don't mind if I do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, free food. It's good. Nice. For, quote unquote free. I mean, we kind of paid, but whatever. Sure. Included sure. food is nice. Cool, cool. Uh, well, uh, thanks as always for pouring it over with me. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. All right. This was a pour over podcast. You can email us at pour over at the uh, pour over show at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at pourover underscore show to stay up to date with our pourover gang. Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. You can find him on Instagram at herecomesdaniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic, one word. Thanks for joining us and take care.